Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly sermon with Pastor Stephen. This week, he looks at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11, and it's titled, How's Your Mindset? If you guys have a Bible today, please take it and open to Romans 8. We are doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. In case you're new, we've been in uh, Romans for a little while, and we have a long ways to go. Uh, It's a series entitled A Life Transformation. And so basically what we do is we systematically go verse by verse by verse throughout a book of the Bible, and uh, we don't skip the hard verses. Uh, we, We deal with every verse. Uh, It's called expository preaching, if you're not familiar with that. And uh, to me, it is very, very rich. Uh, My goal is not to get you to fall in love with a church or to fall in love with a preacher. My goal is to get you to fall in love with the Word of God and to become a student of the Word of God and not merely uh, understand the Word of God, but live the Word of God. So I build a solid doctrine based upon the Scriptures, and that doctrine changes my outlook on everything. It even changes the way I live. And we're talking about our mindset. How is your mindset? It's an interesting story, a true story, Uh, President Calvin Coolidge, and if you know anything about history, you know he was an interesting character. One time he was hosting a dinner at the White House, and there were about a dozen dignitaries at this dinner. He was seated at the head of the table, as he always was, and everything was going great until after the meal they served coffee. And then the president did something that was totally socially unacceptable. Very uncouth. He took his coffee, he poured it in his saucer, and he began to blow on it. Well, the rest of them were like, oh my goodness, this is not appropriate. But it was the president, so all the dignitaries took their coffee, poured it in the saucer, and began to blow on it as well. And he even put a little bit of cream, a little bit of sugar in his, in his saucer. And then they were all extremely embarrassed when he took the saucer, bent down, placed it on the floor for his cat to come and drink. (laughs) They wanted to do the right thing, right? And so they're like, well, the president's doing it, then maybe we should do it as well. We are his guest. And here's what I would say. I would say most folks want to do the right thing. Most folks want to please God. I would dare say probably most, if not all of you that are listening to me today would say, yes, I want to please God. And one of the ways that we try to do it is we'll ask the question, well, what would Jesus do? You might, even, you might not even wear the WWJD bracelet, but yet you ask that question. And so you say, okay, what would Jesus do when it comes to this? And, and the problem is we, we try to do what Jesus would do, and it can end up being frustrating because there are times we don't know what Jesus would do. And then there are times that we're like, I can't do what Jesus would do. And so what happens is we end up being frustrated. And so what we're going to see in today's sermon is Paul is saying, hey, instead of asking the question, what would Jesus do? Instead, why don't you live a life that is surrendered and under control of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you? And so he's going to contrast two different mindsets. 
There is a mindset on sin and a mindset on the Spirit. Let's look first of all at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. He says in Romans 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, remember the challenge I gave you last week. That over the next eight weeks as we study Romans chapter 8, we're going to memorize Romans 8 word for word. Who's going to do that with me? Yeah, a few of you guys. That's right. Rich is the reward for those who do. So, you would have memorized the first four verses last week. And this week, you'll memorize 5 through 11. Or you can just wait till the week before and memorize all of it. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me. Okay? So, today what he's going to do is, as I said earlier, he is going to contrast. There is this spirit that is set, or there's this mind that is set on sin. And there's this mind that is set on the spirit. What do we mean when we're talking about a mind that is set on sin? There are three things about this mindset of what we would say is an unbeliever. First of all, he says they can't please God. He says it right there in verse 8. Look again. He says, verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. They can't please God. And this is kind of interesting, guys, because survey after survey tells us that most people in America believe in God and most people in America want to please God. That's interesting, isn't it? But the problem is when you try to please God apart from faith, then all of a sudden it becomes about behavior modification. It looks something like this. I want to please God with my life, yet the Holy Spirit of God does not live inside of me because I do not have a relationship with Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to clean myself up. There, there, I need to get my act together. I, I'm going I'm to fix some things in my life, and I'm going to thus please God. The problem is the Bible says we do not have within us the power to be able to do that. It's not possible. I'll give you an example. Um, think of your sin, think of your failures like dead leaves on a tree. I made the comment several years ago in a sermon about dead leaves falling off of a tree. And in my church, there was a, an arborist who came and he said, now you do realize there's no such thing as dead leaves falling off of a tree. So what do you mean by that? He said, well, 
here's an example. You go out and take a limb that's cracked off or been cut off, and you look, those leaves will never let go of that tree or that limb. They'll always be there. They're, they're, not, they're dead, there's no life to the limb, yet the leaves are still a part of that limb. He said what happens is, it's not that leaves die and they fall off, they're pushed off. He said what will happen is, when it comes to that time in the season of that tree where it's getting ready to produce new life, the point of that limb that gives life to that leaf, all of a sudden it'll kind of dry up. It'll kind of harden and it'll start pushing. And those leaves will be pushed right off of that tree. And it's new life that's getting rid of the old, right? It's pushing it off of the tree. It hardens, closes, and it literally pushes what we would say those old dead leaves off of the tree. And so what happens is we spend a lot of our time and we're trying to push off all those old things in our lives that should not be in our lives. And we'll sit there and we'll try to push off all those old bad thoughts and we'll try to push off all those old bad deeds and we'll try to push off, we'll try to push off all those old bad habits. And yet the only way for that to happen is for Jesus in us to push them away. It's Jesus in us pushing off those bad habits. It's Jesus in us pushing off uh, the, the bad thoughts. It's, it's, it's those replacing of the dead leaves with the new life of the Holy Spirit of God. And what I'm saying is this. If you don't understand that great truth, you will spend most of your spiritual life frustrated. Much of your spiritual life, you'll just say, my goodness, I can't get anything right. And the scripture is saying, listen, those folks who are obeying sin, their mind is set on sin. They can't please God because they don't have faith. And they can't change because the change agent, the spirit of Christ, doesn't live inside of them. So we have a mind that's set on sin. They cannot please God, okay? The second thing he tells us about this mind set on sin is they don't even know God. They don't know him. Look in verse 9. He says, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And yet, did you know that there are multitudes of people who profess to be Christians who do not possess the spirit of Christ? You say, is that even possible? Is it possible for somebody to say, yes, Jesus is their Lord, and yet he is not their Lord? Because I've been told that if someone will even say Jesus is Lord, then he truly is their Lord. Friend, I'm telling you, it is absolutely not only possible, I would say it's probable for people to have profession and not have possession. For people to profess something and yet... They don't have the very Holy Spirit of God in their life because they never surrendered their life over to Christ. i got to tell you some of the scariest words I've ever read are what our Lord spoke. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It is only he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Please hear me today. If you don't get anything else out of this today, please get this. It is not religion that saves you, okay? It is not behavior modification that saves you. It is not anything that saves you outside of the transforming power of Jesus Christ that comes through faith given by the very grace of God through His Son. That is salvation and salvation alone. It is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can profess all day long that you are a Christian. But if you do not possess the the, the life of God in you through the power of the Spirit of Christ in the Holy Spirit, then he has just said, you do not belong to Christ. I have folks that will come to me and they'll say, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. I'm just not sure that I'm a Christian. How can I know? And first of all, I'd like to say this, you can know. It's not to be an eternal guessing game, okay? You can know. You can be secure once and for all. One of the things that I'll tell them is, tell me about the Holy Spirit in your life. How does the Holy Spirit lead you? How does the Holy Spirit correct you? How does the Holy Spirit convict you? How is the Holy Spirit active in your life? If you are able to live a lifestyle that is bent on sin, if you're able to live a lifestyle that is consistently giving in and satisfying the urgings of the flesh, and yet there is no correction, there is no leading, there is no directive of the Holy Spirit of God in your life, then very boldly I can publicly say the Spirit of God does not live inside of you. There is a change that occurs. What are you saying right here is they don't even know God. And they can't even please Him. Because the Spirit of Christ is not in them. Because their mind is set on the flesh. Their mind is set on sin. Here's an easier way to say it. A life that belongs to Christ is a life that is changed. And so he says, they don't even know God. But then he describes a third part of them. They won't submit to God. In fact, look in verse 6. In verse 6 he says, for to be carnally minded is death. And then look in verse 7. In verse 7 he says, for the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. It's like they're living without life. You say, how can you live without life? Here's the way to understand it. In the Greek language, now the New Testament was originally written in Greek, okay? In the Greek language, there are two words for life. There's the word bios, which we get our word biology from, and bios means physical life. Usually when we talk about life, we're talking about the bios. But then there's another word for life, and it's the word zoi. Zoe is not talking about the physical life. Zoe is talking about the quality of life. And so in this passage of Scripture, that's what he is talking about, the Zoe. Another instance in Scripture in John 10.10 when Jesus said, I've come that they may have life. It's the word Zoe. He's not talking about physical life. He's not talking about bios. I've come that they might have Zoe and life more abundantly. 
And so there are a lot of people who have bios, physical life, but they don't have zoe, quality of life. They're alive, but they're dead. There was a guy several years ago. Uh, I think it was out in Texas, but don't hold me to that. He was a millionaire. And he was so selfish that he left instructions, when I die, I want to be buried in my Cadillac. And for some reason, I just have the picture of the horns from a bull right on the front of the car. I don't know. I'm thinking, thinking JR from Dallas or something. I don't know. And he said, I want all my possessions, the ones that are valuable, to be buried in the car with me. And so the day came, and they dug a big hole, and you know, they had the Cadillac, had to bring in a crane to lift it up. <laughs> and here was this guy embalmed, sitting behind the driver's wheel, the steering wheel of the car, with all his cash and all of his jewelry and all of his, you know, wealthy things inside the car. You could look as it was being lowered down into the grave through the window and you could see all the cash and everything with him. There were two guys standing there when they were burying him and one looked at the other and he said, man, that sure is living, isn't it? But that's ten that tends to be what we say. No, that wasn't life. That was, that was death. That was death. But there are a lot of people who are living, but they don't have life. He says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you don't have life. And folks always debate. They talk about when does life really begin, you know. Uh, folks say, well, life begins when you're 16 because that's when you get your driver's license. And some folks say, well, life begins at 18 because that's when you become an adult. <laughs> In which I would like to submit, I think you become an adult when you start paying all your own bills. <laughs> some folks say, well, you, you know, life really begins when you become 21 because that's when you can legally drink. And if you take that approach, friend, you've got a life full of heartache ahead of you. I had somebody tell me, life begins at 40. And then I turned 40. I'm like, I don't think this is life. I had a guy not long ago, hey, seriously, here's what he said. He said, life begins at 65. He's talking about retirement. And the way things keep going, that, that'll just keep, anyway. I mean, bios, bios, yes, he's talking about Zoe. He's talking about the quality of life. He's talking about abundant life. And friend, I'm telling you, it doesn't begin at 16. It doesn't begin at 18. It doesn't begin at 21, 40, 65, 67. I don't care what it is. Life, true life, Zoe begins at the moment you meet Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what age that is. It begins at that very moment in Christ. And so what he is saying is they will not submit to God. The Spirit of God doesn't live inside of them. Their mind is set on sin, on flesh. They can't please God because they don't know God. And then he moves on. He starts talking about this, this mind that is set on the Spirit. Look in verse 6. He says in verse 6, to be spiritually minded is life. There's that word again, zoe. And peace. Doesn't that sound attractive? Is there anybody in here that doesn't want the security and the peace of God? No, we all do. 
And the only way you can do that, he says, is to have your mind set on the Spirit. And hear me, it kind of builds off of what we talked about, uh, the reason why we do the preaching and the studying the way that we do, because that kind of mindset that is set on the Spirit, you know what it brings about? You know what it produces? It produces a lifestyle that is built on obedience to the Spirit. And then he says, I'll just share with you three things about this mind that is focused and set on the Spirit and not focused and set on sin and the flesh. The first one it will be indwelt by the Spirit. Look in verse 9. In verse 9, he says, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Four times in this short little passage that we've read this morning, he says phrases kind of like that one. He says, Christ in you. He says, the Spirit in you. His Spirit dwells in you. What he is saying is, when you become a Christian, the very Spirit of God, what we would call the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. The church at Rome is not the only church that he wrote to about this. He wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. Man, Corinth, you think Rome was messed up. Woo, Corinth was really messed up. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, listen to what he says. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? And right now, we are in a building that is on a church campus, and I, just like you, have been guilty of saying this is the house of God. I've said like you have said, hey, just like the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. That I even sit there and I will say, you know what? This campus, these buildings, they are tools given by God. They're the very representation of God. And they, they ought to be spotless. They ought to look as best they can as any or better than any other building in all of Bay County. But this is not the house of God. This is not the temple of God. He's just told us in Corinthians... If we are in Christ, we are the house of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. First church I pastored many years ago, uh, we had a little problem. There were, somebody was going into the downstairs bathroom and they were smoking. And this was back before, well, I mean, they knew smoking would kill you, but it, they, they didn't think of it quite as bad as today. Today, we've just refined it, and we put it in a box. I was behind somebody the other day, and I'm like, their car's on fire. Their car's on fire. <laughs> oh, no, they're just sucking on one of those smoke boxes. <laughs> and they were smoking in the bathroom at church. So somebody came along, and they put a sign in it, and here's what it said. It said, do not smoke in the house of God, thinking that'll help. And then somebody came along a little bit later and kind of wrote a little commentary on that sign. Uh, and they had their theology correct because here's what they wrote on the sign. Uh, your body is the house of God, not this bathroom. And that's true. 
That's true, right? These buildings, we've, we've said it over and over again. These buildings are tools that God has given to us. We're thankful for these buildings. These buildings are for us to use to make much of Jesus Christ. These buildings are to be used so that we might get more folks into this place, so they might hear of the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus can save you. Jesus can cleanse you. Where churches get into trouble, it's when they put more value over a tool than they do a soul. They had uh, an event down here the other night, nachos and Nerf guns. I didn't come down here because I, ha I had a feeling there were nachos and Nerf guns all over this place. But you know what, man? I can't think of anything better than to have a place that's so full of kids and so full of families and so full of teenagers. I know some of y'all are upset because they took your back parking lot away with that stinking pavilion basketball court. And you've now got to walk 10 steps further. I'd love to tear all this up because we had so many kids in this place hearing about Jesus. Mm. So, you'll be indwelt. The Spirit of God lives inside a Christian there to obey the Spirit. Here's the second trait that he mentions when it comes to a mindset on the Spirit. It does surrender to the Spirit's control. Oh, boy. They, they, they do surrender the Spirit's control. Look in verse 10. In verse 10, he says, The Spirit is life because of righteousness. It is very important for Christians to be controlled by the Spirit. And we said, well, now wait just a second. The first point was that they will be indwelt by the Spirit of God. The second point is that now that they're going to be controlled by the Spirit of God, or they do, uh, uh, they do show obedience to the Spirit of God, isn't being indwelt by the Spirit of God the very same thing as being controlled by the Spirit of God? You would think it would be that way, but it's not. It's not. Every follower of Jesus Christ is indwelt by the Spirit of God, but they're not always controlled by the Spirit of God. There are times that we listen to the old nature. There are times that we, we follow the old nature. We give in to the old nature. But he is saying right here, when your mind is set on the things of the Spirit, you're going to be controlled by the Spirit. And that's where folks, well-meaning folks, brothers and sisters in Christ, come along and they say this. Well, the problem is we just don't have enough of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. The day you get saved, you have all the Holy Spirit that you will ever get. Or will ever need. So the issue is not about us getting more of the Holy Spirit. The issue is the Holy Spirit getting more of us. The issue is us being obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. And, and he gets more of you. And you surrender more to him. And you give more obedience. And God's getting more of you. To the point where you are now being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Every person in this room that is a Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. But are you always controlled by the Holy Spirit? No. No, you're not. Because sometimes we listen to the old nature. Sometimes we obey the old nature. We can do that or we can obey the Holy Spirit. We're to be under the influence of the Spirit of Christ. I'll explain it this way. There was a, uh, a story that I heard. I, uh, surely this is not a true story, but some of you guys will look it up and email me and let me know if it is or not. There was a drunk guy that was walking down an old country road one day. 
and he stumbled upon a baptismal service in a river. And so he walked down in the river, and he was standing right next to the preacher, and the preacher saw him, and the preacher turned to him, and he said, would you like to find Jesus? He said, sure. Preacher baptized him, dunked him right underneath the water, brought him up, and he said, did you find Jesus? He said, no, preacher, I didn't. He said, all right. And so he took him and shoved him under the water, held him under a little bit longer this time. <laughs> Pulled him back up and he said, what about now? Have you found Jesus? He said, no, preacher, I've not found Jesus. He said, all right. And he got pretty exasperated this time. He dunked him under the water, held him underneath the water for 30 seconds. He finally brought him up and he said, what about now, brother? Brother, now, man, man, now, did you find Jesus? The drunk was wiping water from his eyes, his mouth, his nose, and he said, no, preacher, no. Are you sure this is where Jesus fell in? Are you sure right here is where he went down? He was under the influence, right? Right, right? Hey, we're to be under that same influence, not of alcohol, but of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God doesn't lead us to do bad things. The Spirit of God leads us to do good things. He gives you a spiritual boldness. The Spirit of God gives you a spiritual empowerment. So, that, so, that, so when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you've totally surrendered to the Spirit, and that's when the life of Christ is being reproduced inside of you. So my mind, right, is set on the Spirit. That's my desire. That's my motive. That's my heart. I, the Spirit of God is indwelling. He's living inside of me. I am now surrendering to the control of the Spirit. But then third, they can be transformed by the Spirit. Look in verse 11. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to do as he dwells in us? What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to do as he fills us, as he controls us? What is it that he wants to do? He wants to transform us. He wants to change us. He wants to keep on conforming us into the very image of Jesus Christ. Please hear me. I know that there are folks that have made millions of dollars on books saying, hey, if you'll just read this, you'll find out what God's will is for your life. If you'll just order this DVD package or if you'll just give a gift to our ministry, you can download this and you will finally know what God's will for your life is. I'm going to save you time and I'm going to save you money. I know God's will for your life. Are you ready? He wants to make you like Jesus. He wants to make you like Jesus. That's the transforming work of the very Holy Spirit living inside of us, making us more like Jesus Christ. You say, how in the world does he do that? He does it a couple of ways. First of all, he does it through daily transformation. There it is, a life transformation. This series, right? He's transforming us. Basically, Paul is saying this. I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit of Christ takes up residence in your life, you're a different man than you were before. There's a He's not saying you're perfect. He's not saying you always get it right. He's just saying you're different than you were before. There's this daily transformation. The best way I've heard this described is this way. Some of you guys remember the story in the Old Testament. When the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, but yet for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. 
Yet God, in his goodness, still provided for them. How did he feed them? Manna fell from the sky. Angel food. And they made cakes and, you know, and first instance of an angel food cake in all of history right there. Maybe I took some liberty on that one, but... Man, a bread-like substance, I don't know. We've tried to hurt it. You know, people have tried to describe what it was, but it would fall. It would fall. It would be fresh. It would be new every single morning. God gave them one instruction, and it was this. Hey, I know some of you guys are planners. I know some of you guys are like, here's what I'll do. On Monday, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get enough for Friday. That way, the rest of the week, I can sleep in. And God's like, no, 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 no. It's only good for, for one day. And some of them tried it, and at the end of one day, when they would go and they would look in their pot, all the extra manna they got, it would be rotten. And God's like, look, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to sustain you even even in your disobedience. I'm still going to provide for you. But hear me, it's going to be a daily provision. And I'm saying right now, this is a daily transformation. You can't save yesterday's manna until the next day. You got to go out every day. You got to get a fresh pot of manna. It's same is very true with our relationship with God. And the reason why there are some of you that are like, I just don't understand why am I so spiritually dry? Why am I so spiritually stale? Why am I so spiritually cold? Why am I so spiritually indifferent? Why does spiritually, I just don't give a rip anymore. It's because you're trying to spiritually live on manna from about 10 or 20 years ago. And it's rotten. And it looks something like this. Oh, I can remember the day. You remember that revival we had back in 1985? Oh, that was so good. You remember youth camp in 96? Oh, man, wasn't that great? You remember when we were in the old sanctuary? Wasn't that rich? Boy, it seemed like we were a little bit closer to God. Closer to each other. I wouldn't say closer to God. Friend, listen to me. If you're living your spiritual life in the rear view mirror, you got bios, but you don't have zoe. You got life, but you're not living. Or maybe I said that wrong. You're living, but you don't have life. Quality of life. So it's not about, hey, I'm going to take what's happened the last 10, 20 years or so. It's that daily, that daily, I'm hungry, Lord. I'm hungry. This is fresh. This is new. Every single day, feed me today, Lord. Feed me your spiritual bread today. I'm spending time with you today, right? I'm opening up the very word which nourishes and I'm digging down every day. Show me something new today, Lord. Reveal more of yourself to me today, Lord. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. It's the reason why it is a living piece of work it never ever ever runs dry and my goodness it's like our God is reading our mail he always knows what we need before we even need it how many of you have been doing your quiet time before and you read something and you're like, oh, that was kind of nice. And then you move on and about three o'clock that afternoon, all of a sudden you're faced with something. I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody's cut you off in traffic or maybe, maybe you got your power bill. I don't know what it is. And, you know, and you're like, ooh, I'm glad I read that earlier. That was pretty good. See, it's fresh, right? So we have this daily 
transformation, but it even gets better. There's a future transformation. Look in verse 11. That's what he's talking about. In verse 11, when one day he will also give life to our mortal bodies. That means the body that you're living in is wasting away. The body that you're living in is breaking down. The body that you're living in is deteriorating and growing old. The other day I was looking in the mirror and I thought, who is that old man looking back at me? (laughs) I've got hair that's turning white. The reality is most of it's turning loose. (laughs) We're getting old. Bodies hurt more than our bodies used to hurt. I don't know, one of you guys sent this to me a while back. Maybe you can identify with this. It's entitled, How to Tell You're Getting Older. Everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. (laughs) You sit in a rocking chair, and you can't even get it going. (laughs) I like this one. Your knees buckle, and your belt won't. Teenagers, listen to me. I eat far less now than I've ever eaten in my life. Hands down, I've ever eaten in my life. Just telling them that. (laughs) They think they're going to have that Cory Gann metabolism their whole life. (laughs) I've asked the Lord to allow me to live long enough to see Cory Gann fat and bald. Wouldn't that be funny with a guitar right there? It? Anyway, sorry. Just, just conversations the Lord and I have. How do you know you're getting older? The little old gray-haired lady that you help across the street. It's now your wife. You sink your teeth into a stake, and they stay there. And then, and then, then they said this one, when you decide to procrastinate, but you... Uh, You forget and you never get around to it. Um, That's what the Bible means when it says our bodies are are normal, right? They're, they're, They're mortal. They're hurting. They're growing old. But the Bible says that one day, even the Spirit is going to transform this mortal body. He's doing the daily transformation, right? The Spirit making us more and more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus. But he's not even going to stop there. He's going to transform this deteriorating body. That means that if we are alive when Jesus comes back. I was doing an interview not too long ago for a publication, and the guy that was interviewing me asked this question. He said, now listen, uh, looking around at the world, do you believe that Jesus could come back at any moment? And, uh, and here's my response. <laughs> I think today would be as good a day as any. That if we're alive when Jesus comes back, we will immediately receive that resurrection body for all eternity. I'd love for it to be that way. Come on right now, Jesus. Well, aren't there things that you would like to do? I can promise you nothing more I'd like to do than to go ahead and be in his presence for all eternity. Boy, wouldn't that be a good one? And if you die, Your soul, your spirit immediately goes to be with Jesus. And then what's going to happen is when he comes back, he's even going to take what's left behind of this mortal body. Whether you've been buried or you've been cremated or, you know, uh, you fell off the boat at sea and a fish ate you and a fish ate that fish and a fish ate that fish and a fish ate that fish. He's going to take it and that will become an eternal resurrection body.
That's the good news. Even this mortal body, he says. Here's what Paul is saying. God's left nothing undone. I know you think he's only concerned about the spiritual. And listen to me. The spiritual determines the physical. He said, but he's not even left the physical undone. He's going to complete it all. Even this will be renewed. Let me just stop and say this. What happens is the older we get, we start thinking, well, you know what? He's probably done all he's going to do through me. And as I had somebody tell me one time, you know, I'm 70 years old. I've done all that I'm going to do. And I'm just going to live the way I want to the last years of my life. No, no, if you've got life, he's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Okay? He's not finished with you. you. You don't retire from the kingdom. Be encouraged by that. So, the reason why we've been talking so much about the Holy Spirit, well, because <laughs> Paul's been talking so much about the Holy Spirit, and I'd say the reason why he's been talking so much about the Holy Spirit is because living in the Spirit, that is the absolute key to the Christian life. That's it. That's the key right there. Remember, remember what in Romans 8 has just said, guys. It has just said those people who have their minds set on sin, they cannot please God because they don't know God and they won't submit to God. But those who are enjoying the righteousness, the peace, and the joy in the Holy Spirit, those are the ones. Those are the ones that please God. Uh, I love sports. Love football. And uh, there's a true story that happened many years ago. Lou Little was the head football coach at Georgetown University. And uh, Lou Little had a, had, a, had a walk-on player on his team that wasn't very big, wasn't very fast, didn't have a lot of talent. Walk-on means he wasn't good enough to receive a scholarship. Um, but Coach Little liked this guy. He said he was a hard worker. You know, for those of you who've coached, you've made the comment, if I could only take his drive and desire and put it in the body of somebody who had the talent. That's the kind of player he was. And, uh, you know, Coach Little, he'd let him play every now and then, but usually he would only play when the game was already settled. It was already out of reach. Nothing significant. Coach Little was inspired by the player because oftentimes he would see him walking around campus with his dad and you know they'd be arm in arm just kind of walking around campus and coach little thought man that, that's man he's he's a good boy he's a good boy uh coach little got a phone call one day in his office true story in his office telling him that that player's dad had just died suddenly of a massive heart attack and they needed coach little to tell the player and so Coach Little brought him in. He said, son, I'm sorry to tell you this because I know how much you love your dad. I've watched you. But your, but your dad's he died. And he said, look, I, here's, what, uh, here's what you need to do. Go home. Don't worry about coming back. Don't, don't worry about coming back to practice this week. We've got a big game on Saturday against our rival. Don't, don't worry about that, though. Don't worry about it. You be with your family. You grieve. You mourn. I don't expect to see you here. When Saturday rolled around, 
This walk-on player was the first one in the locker room, dressed, pads and everything, ready to go. Coach Little walked in. He said, son, what are you doing here? I told you, I told you not to worry about this. He said, no, coach, I, 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 I couldn't stay away. I had to come. I had to play. And he said, Coach Little, I've got one request I'd like to make. Would you let me start today? And he said, son, I, you know, this is an important game. If we don't win this game, there's no chance for the playoffs. And so I can't, I, I was only going to let you play a couple of plays at the most. He said, but because of the situation you're in in your life, I, I'll start you today, but you're only going to play one or two plays and then, then you're coming out. And so he started him, put him in at linebacker. And Coach Little said, it's like there was a different person out there. He said, from, from the first snap, this guy was all over the field. He was making bone-crunching tackles. He was disrupting plays. He, he was making sacks and tackles for loss. And, and, and the kid was playing uh, unbelievable. Coach Little said, honestly, I only had a few players that I'd ever even seen play with this amount of ability. He said, I was thinking, did I miss something these years? Where'd, they, where'd this kid come from? Coach Little said, I didn't even take him out of the game. He played the entire game. We won the game. And one of the biggest reasons we won was because of that kid. He said, after the game, coming off the field, he caught the player and he said, son, what in the world got into you? <laughs> I didn't even know you could play half that good. Where's this been? And the... Uh, the walk-on player said, well, I was playing for my dad. And, and Coach Little said, man, I know it's been a hard week. I know, I know. I know you're used to looking right up there in the stands and seeing your dad sit right up there. And I know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you lost your dad. And this walk-on undersized player said this, no, 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 Coach, you don't get it. You don't get it. Most folks don't know, but my dad was blind. And he said, for the first time ever, my dad saw me play. And I wanted to please my dad. Now, now, now listen to me. There was a transformation that happened in that young man's life. Paul's sitting there and he's saying, look, there is a transformation that happens in the life of those that are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We want to live a life that pleases God the Father. It's not that we live a life that will earn salvation. We've already discussed this. There's no life that can be lived by you and I. We don't have the ability within us to live a life that will save us from our sins. That is only through faith and faith alone in Jesus. But yet when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, I'm saying a transformation starts taking place. We don't live a good life. We don't live a life uh, controlled and surrendered to the Spirit so other people will come along and say, wow, look at you. Good job. We live that life so that God gets glory. And when God gets glory, it is a good, good thing for us. So I want to ask you the question we started this with. How's your mindset? How is it? Is it set on the spirit? 
Or is it being controlled and set on the things of the flesh? Hey guys, this is Steve and Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.